From Chicago, this is the Chavrusa. My name is Rabbi Avram Kivilevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. Our topic tonight is about a subject that really needs no introduction. In fact, some of you out there might be listening through it. Of course, what I'm talking about is the Internet. And I have to tell you that in the last few weeks, we've been this has been the topic that has been asked from us the most frequently to speak about the Internet and specifically the ban the cherem that the rabbis have placed on the use of the Internet. Now, basically what this ban was, the Rabbanim came out and they said that one should close off entirely, if not greatly restrict, the use of Internet in one's home, make it entirely inaccessible to children. I have to say that from the research that we've done, and some of it is anecdotal, some of it is based on some newspaper reports, it seems that this ban has been honored more in the breach than in the observance. Uh, internet rates in usage in Eretz Yisrael, where the ban was issued with great fanfare, have not gone down. And even here in the United States, we know that institutions that although pay lip service to this ban and will not use the Internet in their own private homes, many of them actually sponsor websites on the World Wide Web. Now, I want to just explain something about this whole ban the first reaction that people get to this ban is to say, well, uh, our Rabbanim are stopping the um, future of technology, trying to fight a fight against, you know, holding back the waves of the sea. Um, really what they're saying is, since when did Judaism become anti-technological um, advancements? As a matter of fact, some of the Rabbanim have spoken about the, f- the fact that the whole technological advancements and the speed of the invention and forward movement in technology throughout the world is actually a preparation for the coming of Mashiach. And as a matter of fact, I believe that the Rabbanim have quite well embraced the technological advancements. In fact, Eretz Yisrael, which has a very large percentage of religious people, is probably on the forefront of the technological inventions. No, the problem with the internet is, of course, as we've heard in countless times in journals, in Jewish and in non-Jewish forums, the way that it insidiously inserts itself into our lives and it tampers with the sanctity of the Jewish soul. And to be more specific, I think these problems can be addressed as really two issues. The main issue, which is really the most important issue, is the dirt, the tuma that one finds on the Internet, which... Um, Children should not be seeing. Adults should not be seeing. And, and although the major difference, of course, is that the Internet gives the ability for a child or an adult to sample these things where he seemingly nobody can tell, where he doesn't necessarily have the shame and the stigma of going into some place that he'd be embarrassed to be seen. As a matter of fact, a little kid could, with uh, two clicks, be on and one click be gone. And... There is no way that the parents could tell, I mean, especially with the kids today who really know computers. And a second issue which has been brought up in the ban that the rabbis have made, uh, it's pretty well established in psychological journals too, not only the amount of time that's spent there, but also what it does in the wasting of the days to come. Right. A, a teenager who feels that in order for him to survive the day, he needs to surf the web for a couple of hours at night and those couple of hours without him realizing turns into three in the morning and then um, he has a hard time getting up in the morning and it just it destroys his entire day. And this is a, um, I believe you were saying, medically documented um, truth. 
Right. I think that, it's actually uh, well, you know, the, the fact that there is a psychological name for it doesn't necessarily make it more true. But it's it's been seen enough that good students have seen because once they've been exposed to the internet, have changed. Have and gone doctors south. are actually um, treating people today for internet addiction. I mean, it's become like a drug. Well, something which bothers me about not only the internet but perhaps uh, computers in general, uh, which is the fracturing of society. Uh, the fact that a child or an adult can withdraw into the four corners of his home and his computer screen. I think this is the Internet especially because of how luscious it seems to be, how it seems to just be there ready and, and so easy, also has fractured our society. It's caused many people to withdraw and not to know the norms of how to interrelate with other people. So before we really take entirely apart our prey, I think that... Um it should be pointed out that there really are some good benefits. I mean, I know um, some of the listeners might be thinking, but one second, there are some benefits. I, I, I think those benefits should be pointed out. And maybe we could discuss that a bit. The um, most common benefit, the first thing people will jump at is, but you can learn so much from it. There is an unlimited amount of information, almost infinite amount of information. As a matter of fact, um, there are some schools that promote the children um, getting some extra learning time. I think it's a different type of learning, too. I and think. there are even some kids who can't make school, and uh, they cover that class on the Internet. Kids and adults, shut-ins. Well, adults, some people get their degree entirely off the Internet. And there are plenty of people who are homebound, who are taking care either of a sick spouse or themselves can't move around, that the Internet has actually saved them, allowed them uh, an entryway into the world out there that they thought was closed off. I think that the spiral learning is something that is very important. When a child is able to sit in front of the computer and not necessarily learn in a, the direct manner that's boxes him in, but is actually able to make connections, and by linking on to other things, he's able to see connections that perhaps aren't made in any other book. Uh, the Internet allows him to knit together uh, a great patchwork of ideas with his specific stamp on it. And, and getting more into actually the uh, Torah idea of this, um, one would say that the amount of learning that has now become possible has greatly increased. The, and people okay. are always researching different topics on the Internet. Okay, this is a part. This unfortunate comment now you've stepped on a, a, something which bothers me. Uh, the learning that's done on the Internet is great, and some of the greatest Torah scholars today have websites and are actually giving out great learning. Uh, you, you see many people going to shul on Shabbos with a huge packet of stuff that they've printed off the Internet. However... Uh, I don't know, maybe call me uh, just a, a rejectionist in this way. The sources that they're bringing in, just because it happens to be on the web, are sometimes inexact, sometimes totally wrong. Uh, there's some smart fellow who knew how to construct this site in a way that the search engine pops it up as number one. Meanwhile, this person doesn't know the difference between Rabbi A and Rabbi B. And the sources that he comes up with are basically garbage. Some of now, I do agree with you that sometimes um, many of the um, ideas and uh, Torahs that people get off the Internet were really taken from some Joe Schmo who really knows nothing but is able to um, print nice graphics 
and um, get and his then, neon sign and get everyone coming to him. Right, and and then, I, I mean, I've seen some of this content where it's just really um, amateur. Well, and you, then you see, and especially, but, especially when you see that same Joe Schmo's ideas being printed and reprinted and being taken all over the place. But, but, it's, more, are, but, it's, more course, than, but it's more than that. In the old days, when a book was written, when a safer was published, there was its own self-integrity, the integrity of the readership. Uh, the fact was the a great amount of effort that the author himself put into it and the critical eye of the public for a book to be accepted as a classic, as a Shagas Aliyeh, as a Tzitz or even as a, a latter-day classic from Reb Zevin of Maladim Balocha or something like that, it, it, you, that was a book that you could look to, that you could call from, whose words were chosen exactly. But Whereas, you're, you're being a bit old-fashioned about that. I mean, the books today... Um, are not going to be the number one source for people um, getting their literature. Well, well, maybe we have to teach people how to research from books because at least when you research from books, what you have is a hierarchy, which you don't have on the Internet. On the Internet, it's everything that pops up in the search engine. How is a person supposed to know? It, it, it's, it's, I, again, on one hand, I'm saying I, I like the spiral learning aspect. On the other hand, I think that we have to still train our young people and adults to know that the Rashba comes before Rav Kiveger and that Ramosha Feinstein was someone who lived 20 years ago and not 200 years ago. I think you're right about that, but I still think that the um, large amount and the um, um, easy way that someone can research something on the internet, it, it, so, some would say, or, or could be said, is really a great advantage. Uh, another a great advantage that you can get is the great interaction that goes on on the internet. Now, um, to, without getting into the problems of, of uh, chat rooms... The interaction like we're having here? The interaction between the one person's opinion and someone right. else's? Yes. The communication that goes on, without getting into the whole question of um, um, how one should deal with the whole idea of chat rooms, but want... one would say that the amount of learning and um, thinking and self-inventiveness in the way one discusses certain topics, one could say is a great advantage that one would otherwise not get. A common, it's true. If a person joins a chat room, he's able to make his ideas known and he can get responses from a lot more people than he can sitting, a ro- sitting in a room with a chavrusa. But the quality of the interaction is, is, is horrible. Basically, what you have is, uh, even between... Basically, what you have is people posturing and writing and responding. People of various, and you don't really know who they are. I I think that not only in the old days when people would write one letter to one person, the care that they took in conversing with each other, the care that they had in giving over the ideas was immense. Today, you know, you the whole idea is speed. You you, you rip off a response. Somebody else comes and knocks it and takes your points out. I don't know. I'm very unimpressed with the the caliber well, of their of you're the, talking of the about the rooms. days when a trip across the ocean took a month. I mean, everything today is speed. There is 
there there are planes traveling um, faster than the speed of sound. Better to take better to take more time. Although I don't know if we live by this ourselves in, in this show, but better to take more time in formulating your thoughts and presenting them than just getting it out and hearing what the other person has to say. Then it actually becomes just a vic a question: Who's going to win the fight? You are right. There are certain advantages to people being able to have slow, deliberate conversations. But again, th- this is not the way people are today. People today, one person throws out an idea within 10 minutes 30 people have fired back and now I can look at the 30 instantly 30 different opinions and and, and that somewhat does bring out um, some thinking but I think we got to get back to the Chayrim we have to get back to what's, what, what many of our listeners have already heard about and that is the fact that the Gedolim have not allowed it we uh, can't just let the Gedolim's Chayrim hang there insignificantly we ha- what is going to be our response to it right and the real problem is that um as sad as it might be the cherem has not worked people are still using the internet um, but there have past been- past the rabbanim's warning and maybe we were thinking that maybe we could harness the internet in a way and just um somehow grab the reins and take control. Well, there have been a number of rabbis who've, who've suggested this. They've talked about filters. They've talked about the a kosher net, a kosher net where uh, we would force people who were orthodox, people who wanted to live according to the Torah, their Internet system, you'd have to connect some sort of kosher net onto it, which would filter out these negative sites. Yeah, the, the real problem with that is that the uh, filters do not work. Plain and simple. I and don't know. Why? Especially, I mean, you um, did not grow up with um, this kind of communication when you were young. And really, you weren't really brought up with computers. Mm-hmm. But the generation of today that's brought up with computers, Calma, they don't know tell me computers. You were, don't tell me you were a hacker in your recent youth. Well, I didn't exactly break into the uh, government files. But uh, um, really, the generation of today are well-equipped, well-adept at using computers. Whatever password you put on there, they can tell the computer that it should put a password on you. I mean, they're, they're, it's just ridiculous to try to think that the I, generation Kalman, past you got me. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. Generation I don't, X. Kalman, you're right. I don't know the technology of this area, but I'm sure the people that are creating this are able to come up with a way to lock it down. The computer in the home, if we take, if we take the computer and the internet out of the home, uh, many people will not be able to buy airline tickets. Uh, they won't be able to bank. Uh, they won't be able to apply for government loans. In fact, I think a lot of these agencies in the future might not even have mailing addresses or actual physical places that you can visit. Everything is going to be assumed it's going to be online. This is not the future. This is very much now. So I think what we have to realize is that we can't, dist- we can't eliminate the Internet. And there's going to be a time that if... Common, I don't know the technology, and I don't know if these things can be subverted or not. But I know that this kosher net idea will at least keep all these things that are becoming essential in our lives now. And an Orthodox family will be able to do their online banking, will be able to buy their airline tickets, will be able to make their applications for jobs. This is a very important thing, which, in fact, many of these agencies might not even have actual physical addresses anymore. And the future is now. Soon enough, if someone doesn't have the Internet, he will be shut out of life. The kosher net, if it works, can still give us the Internet with all its positive things and maybe lock out those negative things. But again, the problem with that would be um, the circumvention that the children are able to do and um, 
I don't think that there's any way that... Uh, oh, I don't know if we can cir- circumvent our need to break here. So the Chavuzu will be going weiter after these messages. Okay, we're back. Um, really, I think what we need to do is go beyond what's looked at now as a ban that will not work. The, um, the Rabbanim, some of them are already coming to the idea and coming to see that um, the ban simply won't work. People will bring in the Internet in their house because of the convenience that it has and for other reasons. And really what we need to do is try to deal with the issue and see what we can do to people who do have the Internet. Okay. Well, okay, Kalman. So dazzle us with your great idea to solve this problem. So really I was thinking that really one of the problems is the children and the fact that we need to keep them busy. They need to do research. They need to use the Internet for different reasons. So, so I was thinking, why can't we have a kosher Internet cafe? Hold on. Is this our kosher hangout show now i don't know if it's a, if it'll be that much of a hangout but really there we know what internet cafes are where you sit down with a uh, coffee and a bagel and you you have you go into the store and they have computers and you sit down by a computer and you do all your um internet needs can we have a room with 30 computers and have um any child who needs to do research needs to do homework wants to talk to his friends in um, Walla Walla, Washington, um, come in and use that. Now, this place can be um, supervised by people there to make sure that... Um, so in other words, the same way we have a mashkiach in our kosher kitchens, we'll have a mashkiach walking up and down the hall, looking over people's shoulder and seeing what they're looking at. Basically, if you're going to have a heksher for what you put in your mouth... As was once quoted, you should have a hechsher for what comes out. Well, right. actually, it's a typing, but uh, it's it's still... Um, you know, Kalman, you gave me a good idea. Maybe instead of having this guy walking up and down, you can have, like they have in apartment buildings, a guard sitting there, and there's a whole bank of screens that show what all the kids are looking at, and an alarm goes off when a kid sees something that's inappropriate, then well, he goes well, over to them. That really would um, bring up one problem, which is the problem of privacy. If a child is reading a private letter... Um, uh-huh. that he got from a distant relative and it really discusses the problems that he's having personally with his uh, family, etc. Okay, okay well then you can make a difference then. Maybe, okay, so maybe you can have an email area uh, that the security guard doesn't look at and it's in the email area that we're not that worried about checking out these horrible websites and then there's a surfing area. In the surfing area we can maybe have this high-tech thing where it can be monitored. Okay. But what's going to get the kids to go there and not want to do it in the basement of their house? Well, if they do have the place that they can go and their friends are there and there, it is open for them to do, there's a great atmosphere, it's convenient, nice air conditioning, they don't need the Internet at home, which they would um, – really, the kids are not going and with on. With my kids, it's the high speed. I think it's the high speed. Maybe if it's a super high speed, which those Internet cafes have, maybe that will bring them in. I don't know. 
Well, I don't know if that's so much a problem because the really kids really don't go on the internet to find bad things. Kids go on the internet. Oh, I want to look this up. I want to look at that. I want to find this. I want to do some homework. And when they're there, things and they bump into things and they meet things. So if then they would they would um, take this place as a place where they can go to do the things they need to do, and over there will make sure that those bumps don't come up. I mean, some all, kids all who, those things that tantalize them to draw them into this I mean, to the maw of, of the ugly internet. Kids can go to the um, internet cafe and play computer games online. As long as those are, um, of course, supervised and made sure that um, they are um, acceptable. So let me ask you something, Kalman. How, how did you survive as a child who grew up and was part of the Internet world? Obviously, this was something that in my youth and in my teenage years was, was only in science fiction books. Uh, how did you survive it? How did you survive the well, lure of I the really Internet? didn't grow up with the Internet um, smacked in my face like some of these people have who um, have computers in their house and especially high speed in these fancy computers. Mm-hmm. But I do know of people who I was around who um, they they would get addicted to the computer games, to other things on the Internet. They were, there was one boy in yeshiva who um, would go off at night to some internet cafe and not to do anything bad but just you know he was as a matter of fact it was during the tour de france and he was um trying to print up a full biography of all the uh, bike racers he was a little bit of a cyclist himself and he did this and the, the next morning obviously he had a hard time getting up for chakras and the learning was disturbed which uh, is going well, back to what we said before well, you do have the time differential so, there so i have i have seen examples of people who have been somewhat ruined by the internet, and I, I really can speak from uh, personal history uh, from what I've seen. That that really didn't come up to me to be a, uh, that much of a problem. Okay, I just figured. What did what did the what do you do with your kids? Do you well, have this problem? Well, you know, I do have uh, I do have a teenager, and I do have uh, one who is uh, just reach beyond teenaging. In fact, uh, the, a lot of the research for some of these things about the Internet, uh, he was our main researcher tonight. Oh, I was wondering how uh, you didn't exactly take me for the uh, technical expert. Well, I do know my way somewhat in front of a, of a computer, but uh, he's the one who, in a, just a couple of seconds, he was able to whip up a whole bunch of stuff I, about again, the Internet Again, a, a prime example of Generation X instantly um, doing and controlling the Internet Rather than a generation, uh, what are you, four generations back? Five? Four score and 20 years ago. Uh, (laughs) I I think that, but to answer your question, Coleman, yes, it's a very big concern for having a teenager and having someone who is a young adult. Uh, what to do. And and some of these things are are, are playing very heavily on my heart, to be honest with you. Uh, I think. However, a younger child, and you touched about this before, and I think this is something that we haven't talked about. The younger child is more tantalized by the games, the games on the Internet and computer games in general. I think there's a point that we haven't mentioned, and that was that the ban from the Godolim also extends to all sorts of CD-ROM games and computer games. Maybe I just don't understand it well, but this is something which bothers me. Uh, It seems like these games are somewhat harmless. It seems like these games like uh, are just... Computer versions of Monopoly, Operation, Life, and Risk, stuff that we spent. Ram, I, I think you're now guilty of um, a great case of naivete. 
I'm not sure whether you're aware exactly of the games that are out today, but we're talking about games where the point of the game is to defeat your opponent and to literally tear their heart out and eat it. Common, I mean, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. But again, isn't doesn't isn't it clearly labeled? I mean, can't parents say, "Hey, this." Throw this out. This game you're not going to have. Well, you can't really do that because some of the games have this um, innocent-looking cartoon character who during the game turns into Attila the Hun and starts to um, burn towns. Well, I, I believe in the. I believe what I've seen. I think there's there's certain ratings on it, and I think the parent needs to know. Hey. Don't bring this in. I'm going to look at the bottom, on the back of the game and see what's there. Well, first of all, the ratings aren't always rated correctly. They're rated based on what some um, Yatsu sitting there in front of his computer game thinks that this should be rated. Sometimes there's violence that they would not consider violence. Gore, which because this person plays computer games all day doesn't feel that this is necessarily as bad. The and parents, the ratings the aren't parents as... Have to, I, I, Kalman, I agree that the games are addictive the games are so fun that you have to go on to this next level and this next level and, and solve it. But again, here parents can stop their kids and say, off the game. It's time to stop the you, game. You can't really control that because um, whenever you put a, a, um, a restriction, you'll have a gray area and gray areas lead to black areas. And there really is no need. I think um, the, there, there is just cause for a ban on these computer games. We understand fully well why the rabbis put the ban on the Internet and the horrors that could be unleashed from it. Yet you feel that the ban on the Internet is somewhat unrealistic, whereas the ban on the game, the ban on the games, is appropriate. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that is true because, like we said before, the Internet is a tool. It's a way for people to grow and if we can harness that and use that, that is something positive, a technological advancement, like we said. And that, because the ban isn't working and because there is great benefit to be gained from it, let, let's find the best way to use it. But the computer games, there is no good use that comes out of it. The, the fact that the child's hand-eye coordination improves over 10 years by 2% is entirely unequal to the losses that he has from his the ADD and the other problems of today that are caused from the um, children I, I, watching too much, sitting in front of computers and machines and just uh, having things flicker in front of their eyes that have I, caused I, I, I children I can't tell you to... whether ADA... Sorry to stop your rant there. But I, I, I can't tell you that the 21st, the ADD is generated by computer games. We don't know what causes ADD. We don't even know if ADD is I do know true... that the, the negative effects are so great that the fact is no one would lose from a ban on games. And th that's why a ban on games, which um, aren't just because of the waste of time. Some of them are really bad. I mean, there are some dirty tuma... Um, no, there are some dirty tummy things on the on these games that children should not be exposed to, and really there is not much gain to get from it. We're not talking about these monopoly games because children today do not play so, monopoly. So whereas, well, whereas the well, we know the special Besden that convened answers certain questions of when the internet is permissible, when it's not. I think they can make a similar designation as to what sort of games can be bought and what can't. 
besides the games, there's also a lot of educational CD-ROMs. We're not ROMs. talking about the educational CD-ROMs. Those are with those, game, those, I know those you are games. Those are childish games that no child gets addicted Common, to, you, to spelling bees. We're talking about the action-adventure Common, games. You didn't, Common, you didn't need it, but there are kids that actually enjoy those games and find them very exciting. I don't know if and, the ban is even going on those. Those aren't games, quote-unquote games. Also, there already is a difference between certain types of games. No, I don't I think, know that to I be think true. it's a much clearer difference than than the difference you would make if you were to actually start going into adventure games and start separating between those. Oh, many of them are the same skills. They're just one is packaged as an educational tool and one is packaged as a benign sort of game for a kid to get I, involved. I think you're in. still in the 1970s games. Really, the the games of today. You compliment the children... me. Actually, I, I, it's actually about ten years earlier than that. But go ahead. Yeah. I, the kids would the, the games of today are not um, educational games. Common, I'm, I'm, no kid I'm is getting for, addicted I'm... to Blue's Clues. Um, the kids... what? what? What's Blue's Clues exactly? <laughs> Common, you lost me with that. Yeah, it's uh, one of the modern day things. I think I think it's it's pretty much clear, and it's it's not hard to say that the fact that um, the ban on games can be differentiated on its own from the ban on the Internet. I think that the Internet should be harnessed, and and a lot of the Rabbana are coming out with different ways to deal with the Internet. But the games, I think, is an entirely different issue that just is only causing problems. Well, Common, at least it will benefit all those old cardboard games. I mean, according to you, there's going to be a great resurgence now, and I'm sure the Parker Brothers is very happy uh, with this suggestion. Also, just to be serious for a second, uh, on Shabbos, if kids don't know what it's like to play these type of board games, then, of course, uh, on Shabbos, when many kids aren't part of the father and son learning programs, uh, these games can be then brought out. As a matter of fact, uh, this um, came up once as an issue when they were talking about converting all schools to um, being only Internet. Why bother with books when every kid can have a computer and you never have to um, buy new books? One of the issues came up was that in yeshivas, and there would be no learning on Shabbos. I mean, we need paper books. Well, Common, I've enjoyed playing our game here tonight. And uh, I think we got to maybe the third or fourth level. As Clearly, we fact, haven't touched the top yet. That we could probably come back for more. You've been listening to the Chavrusa. And he's Rabbi Avram Kivalevich. And he's Rabbi Kalman Warch. And that beautiful string music seems to indicate that our time is almost up. But Kalman, don't log off yet because I think there's some points that i got to correct you on. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs>